Welcome to episode 47 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be talking about lower back pain, whether strength training will make you bulky or not, and how to work out when recovering from shoulder surgery. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. Guys, Yanny or Laurel? I'm team Yanny right now. Well, I was adamantly team Laurel in the beginning. <laughs> like, I couldn't understand how you could possibly hear anything other than Laurel. And then when somebody replayed it for someone else to show them, and I was standing in, like, a different part of the room. I you, heard, you were a little I heard, further away from it. I was further away from yeah. it, and I heard Yanny, and I almost lost my mind. <laughs> if, uh, for those of you who don't know, Yanny versus Laurel, this is some like viral stuff going on right now. Um, you probably remember the whole dress debate, whether or not the dress was white and gold or black and blue. Uh, and I can kind of see like why that might happen. I mean, there's like those like those classic drawings. It's like, do you see a face or do you see two people kissing? Like, oh, I yeah, can but see- those are actually both there. That's true. That's true. But I mean, I can just kind of, I don't know why, but I can see it happening visually, but audibly I was like, wait, that's crazy. But I was doing a little bit more research and apparently we, we just have a natural tendency to either pick up higher frequencies or lower frequencies. And I guess those who pick up higher frequencies actually hear that kind of yanny noise. And those who pick up lower ones hear the, the laurel. You know, this could all just be hearsay, but this is my quick <laughs> research that I did online. I actually, I like that because when Jason imitates me talking, he goes, me, 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 me. <laughs> That's all I hear, guys. And just so, me, 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 me. <laughs> so now I feel like it's just because he hears me at a higher frequency. Yeah. So he must just be hearing. It's not me. I don't talk like that. Yeah, definitely not. You just hear me going, me, 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 me. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, we have a poll going on Instagram right now and it's pretty 50, 50. Uh, I think a few more people here have been hearing yeah, a little more Laurel than Yanny, but uh, it, I mean, it's just surprising that it's like such a, it's such a thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know who came up with it or how it was made. Like, but yeah, the internet found it and it just like has taken <laughs> off. Taken off. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with a little discussion about lower back pain. This wasn't a specific podcast question, but actually a question that came to us um, from somebody who's writing an article for U.S. News and wanted to know, um, she had some questions for us on lower back pain. Jason, maybe you can read them out. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll read out a couple of the questions. A couple of them were, um, what factors contribute to the prevalence of back pain in adults? And also, um, she also mentioned that she saw a recent Instagram post of ours where just immediately stretching or twisting the back just because it feels tight um, might not be uh, necessarily the greatest thing to do. Um, and kind of like what I initially started off my answer with is that pain is just a super complex topic that we can't just like be like, okay, this is definitely the reason why there's pain. Like people that quote unquote move really well can have lots of pain in their back for whatever reason. And people that quote unquote don't move quite as well and they're flexing at their back all the time might not experience any pain whatsoever. So yeah, it's we've just seen that like a lot. A actually. lot. Yeah. It's just like, it's just way too tough to tell. And there's too many contributing factors to just say like, Hey, this is what's causing you pain. Um, but for us, how we go about thinking about this is, um, it, this is a concept popularized by Gray Cook and Mike Boyle, a physical therapist and a strength coach. And they coined something called the joint by joint approach. And what they talked about was that 
your body is comprised of a series of joints and it's kind of alternating. So like, so, okay, so you got your foot, your ankle, your knee, your hips, your lower back, and kind of like going up the chain like that. And all these joints need an element of mobility as well as stability. However, from a training standpoint, they have very specific needs. So typically, your foot needs a little bit more stability, your ankle needs a little bit more mobility, your knees need a little bit more stability, your hips, mobility, lower back, stability, upper back, mobility, shoulder blades, stability, shoulders, mobility, neck, stability. Um, hopefully you can uh, follow all that, but basically it's just alternating in terms of needs. Now the issue arises when one of these joints has some sort of issue with it. Let's say you, I don't know, you have some sort of like um, ankle restriction, like you sprained your ankles and now your ankles are a little bit more immobile. When that happens, it's not just your ankle that experiences pain or issues, but the joints above and below also get impacted. So an ankle that normally needs more mobility suddenly is immobile, then the foot and the knee, the joints above and below it, get impacted. So those two joints, foot and knee, typically need a little bit more stability, oftentimes need to contribute more to the mobility side of things just so you can just operate on a daily basis. And so for us, when we're looking at lower back pain, we're always thinking, okay, let's think about stability training for the core, the lower back, but also let's talk about what happens above and below the core. So your hips, they need mobility and your upper back needs mobility. But oftentimes what happens is people's hips get really stiff, upper back gets really stiff, and their lower back often has to take up the slack for that. So suddenly their lower back is moving around a lot more, it's rounding, it's flexing, and because it's being overworked, it becomes really quote unquote tight. But that's really your brain kind of signaling to your body, hey, let's make it feel tight because we don't want it to move anymore because it's trying to take up so much slack and it's really compensating for your tight hips and upper back. So if you only think about stretching the lower back or if you only think about doing core stability exercises, you're kind of missing a lot of um, the whole like total body piece to it. So you want to take a step back and think, okay, I want to do core stability exercises, but I also in conjunction want to do hip mobility as well as upper back mobility exercises. Um, and that's what we always think about from a just a training standpoint. How can we treat the body as a whole rather than just zeroing in on one very specific area and hoping that it addresses the body as a whole? Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> so. I mean, that's exactly what we do. Yeah. So I think a lot of, we hear so many times like, oh, I have lower back pain. I think I need to work on my core. Mm -hmm. Like we hear that so often when people yeah. first come in, like somebody's told, somebody told me I needed to strengthen my core because I have lower back pain and yes, strengthening your core will probably help, but there's a lot of other factors that probably go into it. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, thinking about it from all the different reasons why something might be going on because we can't pinpoint it. We can't just say this is the exact cause. Yeah. And so, yeah, we hear things like, um, you know, like my back feels so tight, so I just want to stretch it out. But again, you're just going to be going against your body's natural, like protective mechanism. That's like signaling to your back, like, Hey, let's tighten things up a little bit. Let's not move around so, so much. And the other thing, um, you know, a common, like, like, um, therapeutic tool, therapeutic tool that we often hear about is when 
people understand that sitting for too long of a period of time can really lead to like tight hips and um, kind of like a weaker core kind of thing. And so they get the recommendation of sitting on a stability ball. And, you know, the theory kind of makes sense. You're supposed to work your core a little bit more, but you're in a position where your core, your lower back, your spine is already overworked. And by adding that low level stability need throughout the day while you're sitting isn't really solving the issue. It's actually probably making it worse because it's intensifying your lower back. It's trying to make it work even more. So it's going to feel even tighter. So really for us, what we try to recommend for our members is that, you know, sitting for too long isn't necessarily going to cause back, uh, you know, sitting for too long, how should I phrase, sitting for too long is not a good thing, obviously, but standing for too long isn't a good thing either. The, the big thing that we're looking for is just movement throughout the day. Like how many times can you get up from your desk throughout the day? You know, how often are you just walking or jogging or just doing general movement throughout the day because movement is very nourishing and the the thing that we're mainly concerned about is just lack of movement overall in people's lives today yeah so things like ways that you can start to just even if you don't have lower back pain now but you're like okay i don't want to get lower back pain and you know that that's it's such a common thing is if you're somebody who does either sit or stand at a desk still making sure that you're doing like taking a walk down the hallway or doing a couple stretches at your desk is a really good idea. Yeah, totally. Just like you can do some like sit up tall, put your hands behind your head, pull your elbows back as far as you can and just rotate as far as you can to the right, mm-hmm. as far as you can to the left without forcing anything. Um, but just some general movement, like flex over, extend your back, do a lot of different movements. Um, we don't recommend flexing your back over doing like a deadlift or actually in the gym, but doing it just as a way to stretch and move throughout the day is great. And all totally. ranges of motion are really good for just loosening everything up. So um, definitely try to think about, like, I know there's people who have watches now that, like, buzz or vibrate every hour to remind them, like, hey, now would be a great time to stand up and do something. (laughs) Um, So if you can do that, set up a system for yourself, even on your phone, have an alarm go off every hour that just gives you a little reminder that it would be a good idea to move a little bit. That could really help a lot. Yeah. And, you know, finally, another piece to all this is that, when we talk to our members when they have back pain or really any sort of pain for that matter, we're always talking about, hey, here's what you can do. And when people get into these um, you know, painful situations, they start to focus on things that they can't do. And that really just like triggers emotional responses, mental responses. And so we want to try to get them away from focusing on what they can't do and always think about, hey, you can still do this. You're strong. You're capable. You're fit. Um, all these things just to build a confidence up because that's that's a key factor into controlling and managing pain and not letting it get you down. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, second question, um, Lauren will answer from her perspective. Um, it's something it's, it's a question that we received in person from uh, one of our members. Um, she's a little bit newer and she asked us um could because we do a lot of strength training she asked us hey what do you guys think about strength training um my mom keeps telling me that it's going to make me super bulky it seems like a silly question but will it make me bulky (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah it's not a silly question because it's it's very common and, and very understandable as to why people might think that yeah one of the um I remember listening to a Rachel Cosgrove um, interview about this or she was a lecture or something. And she was saying the worst response 
to somebody saying, asking that question is to give them a bunch of jargon science <laughs> yeah. um, or to be like, no, that's ridiculous. Like you're not going to get bulky and to make them feel like, yeah, that is a really stupid question. Yeah. Um, and so I've definitely learned to like, just see where that person is coming from. Like mm-hmm. her mom asked, her mom mentioned it to her, right? Yeah. And like you take what your mom says to you. You, you know, you put a lot of weight into that. They, yep. they raised you. They taught, taught you a lot. Like, and she's a younger woman as well. And so, like, I, I would never, if, if she had asked me in person, I would never say, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. You won't get bulky. Your hormones don't work that way. Like, You don't have enough testosterone. You don't have enough testosterone. Like, don't even worry about it. Because <laughs> she's going to be like, okay, I, I guess. Like, that's not a, isn't a great response not a very empathetic response totally yeah um so the way that and i get we get asked this all the time and the way that we typically respond is first of all i we totally hear where you're coming from and we get it because what you see on a lot of like fitness magazines or like if you're looking in the stores and any time that you see women doing strength training a lot of times it's paired with someone who looks more like a bodybuilder and so i can see why the media has kind of like made you feel like, oh, maybe that is what's going to happen. And and so those fears are totally, like, we totally get it. Those are totally validated fears. Um, the thing about it is that actually the people who tend to look like that, who are have a lot of muscle, they put in hours and hours a day in the gym. And they actually, they want to look like that. They're, they have a goal of looking like that. And they have, they're athletes. And they actually participate in this sort of sport of bodybuilding. And it takes a lot of dedication and it's very difficult for them to get that bulky. It actually takes a lot of effort. Um, we're not going to ask you to put in even 80% of that amount of effort because you don't need to in order to get the results that you're looking for. Mm. Um, and so that's sort of the first step is being like, they're like, you're not going to do the amount of work that it takes really (laughs) to, to get to that point because it takes a crazy amount of work. Um, and, we're, we're only asking you to come in three times a week and we're asking you to lift in a total body fashion. That's going to really help you to build overall strength without focusing on one muscle at a time and, and making those muscles really pop or, or get really big. Um, and I didn't use a single in that explanation. I didn't use a single like piece of jargon or a word that it makes me sound smart or makes me sound like I'm referencing science or anything like that because the person who's asking the question usually doesn't care about that. They care that you understand where they're coming from and that you can give them an explanation of like, well, don't tell me that it's not true because I've actually seen women who look quote unquote bulky to me. Mm-hmm. So how did they get there? Right. Because the answer is strength training, Yeah. right? So if the answer is strength training, how are you going to sit here and tell me that Strength training is not going to make me bulky. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's that's crazy. So you have to break it down for them in a little bit more of a um, just sort of a rational way, and just really think about what does it take to get bulky, and is that what we're going to do? Probably not. Yeah, and just um, you know, discussing with them, I think more about like the way for us how we program is. We typically try to get people in about three times a week, and they're going to be total body approaches. And just relaying to them that, you know, the people that you see on magazines or maybe on Instagram or whatever influences that you see, they're doing very a very specific kind of strength training where they're training six or seven days a week and very focused training sessions on singular body parts. And eventually those body parts begin to grow, especially if they're eating the right way and they're taking the right supplements and et cetera, et cetera. But by doing three total body workouts a week, you're just getting 
kind of like general lean body mass and usually this is going to cover 95% of people's aesthetic goals as well as functional goals, right? Right. Yeah. So, and then I also would like, I like to have the opportunity also to have another part of that conversation, which is like, what is your fear of getting bulky? And what does that actually mean to you? Like, Mm. and because also there is truth to the fact that your muscles are going to grow. If you yeah. train, your muscles are going to grow. So are you afraid of that? And why are you afraid of that? And like, you know, there could be a lot of layers to why somebody's asking this question. So mm-hmm. I think digging a little bit deeper is also, if you have the opportunity to, is also really powerful um, and can make people realize that their fears may actually not be real fears of theirs. They might just be going off of like what other people have told them. Or, yeah, totally. And then they realize like, well, actually, like if they think about their goals, like, well, actually I do want, I want to get toned. And when they say that, it's like, well, actually, if what what does a toned person look like to you? And they might point them out, and it's a person who has muscle, yeah, right. It's a person <laughs> who has muscle, and they and it shows. And so it is also a good idea to have a conversation about like, what does bulky mean to you, and what why is it a fear, and why is it something you're afraid of? And dig a little bit deeper into those questions, and and maybe actually you'll come realize come to realize that the fear really wasn't what they thought it was. Yeah. It's almost like it's like been inceptioned into your mind by magazine covers. It's like, don't look bulky by doing this workout. It's like, Oh, well I guess I shouldn't be bulky. And then it's like, you just kind of accept it as a fact, but then it'll be conflicting. Cause yeah, then you'll see be like, Oh, exercises to tone your triceps. And it's like, well, you need muscle mass to tone your triceps. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it's just, um, there's a lot of words that just get, they get thrown around and they get really, it's really easy to get caught up in those words. And then Mm -hmm. when you actually sit down and dissect them, you realize that your, your feelings about those words are actually like different than what you actually thought. Yeah. 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 So that's how I would, I typically will approach somebody asking me a question like that. Um, yeah. And as you can tell, that was a long winded answer because it's such a complex topic and it also just depends on where the person is coming from and kind of like what sort of like, mental and emotional state that they're in when they ask that question. And she, you know, she asked it very, just like kind of like matter of factly and rationally. And I could kind of like answer a little bit like quicker and easier. But if someone was coming to us like very kind of like, um, with a lot of previous history about this sort of stuff, then it might be just a much more longer process that wouldn't be taken care of in a conversation, but over the course of a couple of months, more training sessions, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So those are our first two questions we're going to go over. And then the third one was a podcast question. This one came from on Instagram, three boys, mom. And she asked, hi, Lauren and Jason, any advice for how to program some half hour sessions for someone recovering from shoulder surgery? I don't know all the details yet, but she's cleared to work lower body. I'm thinking using the Smith Smith machine, leg press, hip thrusters, and core exercises like dead bugs. Would you recommend working the non-injured side at all? Any advice would be so appreciated. Thanks so much. Super good question. Yeah. Um, so this person had a shoulder surgery? Yeah. So they're coming back, not the person who asked the question, but she's no. going to be training somebody who's coming back from shoulder surgery. Okay. So with shoulder surgery, the thing you need to be looking at is avoiding provocative positions. And by provocative, I don't mean like sexy positions, but <laughs> <laughs> like uh, potentially painful and harmful uh, positions. So for shoulder pain, Usually it's anything above 90 degrees of shoulder flexion could potentially hurt the shoulder. So raise your arm up to about chest height 
any more than that could start to irritate rot rotator cuff and things like that. So initially, definitely avoid that. Um, things that you can do are anything below that range of motion. And so for shoulder pain, uh, recovery kind of protocols, we always start people with things that tax the grip with their arms by their side. So that might be deadlifting, trap bar deadlifting, um, even like lunging or split squatting with uh, relatively heavy dumbbells for them, um, farmer carries, suitcase, suitcase carries, all these things will um, stimulate the grip, which then in turn stimulates uh, stability at the shoulder, recruits your rotator cuff muscles, and just has an overall just strengthening benefit for your grip and upper back. Um, so that's normally where we start. And then from there, we'll start to tra uh, travel a little bit further up the chain. So maybe things like a low plank, a tall plank, um, TRX rows, push-ups, basically your arms out in front of you. And then the last stage of this is sort of going more towards the overhead range, uh, range of motion. So doing like an inclined chest press or an angled barbell press, and then finally going into a straight overhead press. But I think people usually just go right they just kind of like avoid shoulder work altogether and then go right into overhead pressing, right? Yeah. But you want to think about it in kind of like degrees of motion and the higher up you go, the more potentially harmful it might get. But you, you do eventually want to get to those ranges of motion and just by carefully kind of guiding yourself through that process, um, you'll be able to get there. Yeah, so that's an over time, over the course of time yeah. approach. Um, in terms of like when she first comes back from surgery and she wants to program, start to program, she said some half hour sessions. Okay, yeah. Um, so those first few sessions back, like how we would put together something like that. Um, and for the most part, especially because she's just had surgery, she's probably slightly deconditioned at this point. Like she's had some time, complete time off. Um, so you probably don't need even a ton of weight in the beginning mm -hmm. and just some lower body exercises, body weight are going to be at least more than she was doing. So even yeah. things like, um, body weight squats, lunges, um, you can do hamstring curls on a stability ball. Um, you can do, I mean, a kettlebell deadlift is really non-provocative, like Jason was saying, for the shoulders. So to load up the posterior chain a little bit, probably a kettlebell deadlift would be fine. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, starting off with those kind of like body weight versions um, yeah. and then loading with lighter weights like kettlebells and stuff like that. Yeah. And then going into like everything that she said actually is, is great. Yeah. Um, using hip thrusters, core exercises like that, dead bugs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are all... These are all fantastic variations. Um, what about in terms of loading the other side, working the non-injured side? Working the non-injured side. Okay, so if someone is coming back from a shoulder surgery, I would typically want to actually work the non-injured side. Um, there has been research saying that there is a carryover with working one limb and not working the other, the one that's not been working out or being trained actually has, I don't know, like a 30% strength training benefit from actually not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. um, and so for anyone who's going to be kind of like sidelined a little bit for a longer period of time, we'll actually recommend working that non-injured side because we think that we can kind of shore up those imbalances over time. Um, if anyone had like a kind of like a, a very acute shoulder injury, so they like kind of like tweak their shoulder a little bit doing something, um, painting, I don't know. Um, then we'd actually just say, hey, let's lay off both shoulders for a little bit because it's only going to be a brief period of time. But right. recovering from a shoulder surgery, like we might as well get as much benefit as possible, as much strength as possible. And because um, we don't know when it's going to be fully healed and we'd rather not miss out on training time. 
Yeah. So you can do things like a single arm bench press, like a single arm dumbbell yeah. chest press, or um, a single arm TRX row or something mm-hmm. like that, where the other arm doesn't need to contribute at all. Um, and that would be totally fine and, and probably something that they probably are going to be itching to get a little bit of upper body stuff back in. So I would, I would feel free to throw a couple of those in. Yeah. Um, but then focus that. mostly on lower body and core, like you were saying. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that will help. Good question. Cool. All right. So that is everything that we have for you today. We really appreciate all the questions that have been coming in. If you could send us more, that would always be great. We... Uh, accept questions through Instagram at Achieve Fitness Boston. If you just send us a direct message, you can also email us at podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com. Or if you see us in person, you can just ask us a question there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on iTunes, that would really, really help us out. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.